0: June starts this week. I know. Wow. I can't. I don't even understand how it could be June already. But nonetheless, uh, we have another summer garden this year. And I I love our summer garden. Um, I got to give mad props to my wife, Lindsay. She has done 100% of our garden this year. A lot of times I'll chip in and be part of it or I'll I'll own portions of it. Not this year. I just, I don't know. I just haven't. But thanks, Lindsay, for doing that. And I'm loving that right now we're starting to see some of the fruit or vegetables, of our garden. Uh, We're seeing some squash, we're seeing some cucumber, we're seeing uh, some peppers, and we're seeing tomatoes. Man, in my opinion, there may not be anything more wonderful than a ripe tomato off of the vine that grew in your yard. Mmm, just take a bite out of it. Just full of sunshine and goodness, or take it in the house and thick slice it and eat that puppy up. I have heard that there are people who don't like tomatoes. And I just, I have a hard time believing that. I've had people tell me that. I'm like, this is surely a bad dream. This can't be real right now because they're so good to me. Whoever you are, God bless you. I don't know. I don't know. Try it again, maybe. I don't know. Uh, But I got to be honest. I had a moment in my life or season of my life where I was a little bit afraid of tomatoes. I think I was in second grade. And it began with, uh, I was sitting across the table from this boy at school at the cafeteria. And we were having that, you remember the school soup the vegetable soup you know like every school had it it just was it all tasted the same was, but i loved it i was a fan of the vegetable soup and i was eating that num, 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 and uh, the guy goes i don't need that soup and i said why not he said because it's got tomatoes in it and i was like so what tomatoes are good and he said "Mm a tomato killed my uncle straight face i was like i'm sorry I, I had no idea i didn't realize i had no idea that a tomato killed your uncle I didn't know tomatoes could do that. And I'm not going to joke, I did not finish that bowl of soup. And and for a while after that, I was a little suspicious of tomatoes. In fact, if they were serving tomatoes somewhere, I'd just be like, somebody about to drop dead, like, and it's not going to be me. Uh, and I started eating tomatoes again. It wasn't a big deal. But I was probably 16 years old when it finally hit me. You know what? I bet that kid didn't have all his facts straight. <laughs> I bet there were further complications involved in his uncle's uh, untimely death. Um, anyway, I digress. Summer gardens, tomatoes, vegetables. Why are we even talking about this? Because today's teaching uh, comes out of the idea that, that gardens are famous for, and that's this. That you can plant a tiny little seed and that something amazing will grow. It's amazing. You can plant a tomato seed and months later you can have salsa and pico de gallo. You can have uh, you know, pizza sauce. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Thank you, God seeds. And within one seed, there's the genetic potential for generations and generations of more fruit. Well, we're in this teaching series today that we're continuing from last week called Long Story Short. And in this series, we're just studying through uh, one of Jesus's favorite teaching styles, the the parable. And in this particular teaching, we're going to be looking at what Jesus taught about the kingdom of heaven. And he starts out by talking about seeds uh, a parable, by the way, if you didn't catch this last week, is it's taking an earthly concept to explain a heavenly truth, and Jesus did this in a very profound way. the The goal of a parable, parable, was that you would uh, you would hear it, and you would think about it. Like a teacher, like Jesus, would teach in parables so that his students would have to stop and go, "Huh, I wonder what the teacher meant by that." And so they would ask questions. And so they would discuss amongst themselves. In fact, it's interesting. um, I think that for Jesus and for teachers who use teaching methods like parables, it is more important to them that the students stop and think about the principle, even than it is that they understand and fully get the principle. Of course, they want them to understand the truth that they're trying to teach. But here's the deal. It's okay for us to have gaps in our knowledge. I mean, we have gaps in our knowledge all over the place. In fact, that's what faith is for, by the way. Faith is what fills the gaps in our knowledge, whether it's uh, a religious faith or even faith in, in various things that happen in our life. Um, but So it's okay. It's okay to have gaps in your knowledge. But what's not okay is to simply ignore the truths of God. Never think about them, never ponder them, and never ask ourselves what impact they should have in our life. So, uh, last week we were in the book of Matthew, chapter 13. We're going to be back to Matthew later on in the series, but today we're going to be in the book of Luke, conveniently, also chapter 13. Luke and Matthew are both biographies of the life of Jesus, and they contain a lot of his teaching. And so if you got a Bible, go ahead and grab one and flip over to the book of Matthew, uh, sorry, the book of Luke, and chapter 13, and I'll give you just a minute to do that. You look it up on your phone. Uh, and in Luke 13, starting in verse 18, we're going to get Jesus teaching a very short parable. Here it is. Then Jesus said, what is the kingdom of God like? Or what shall I compare it to? It's like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree and the birds perched in its branches. Now, this is a very short parable story. In fact, the reason we're calling this series Long Story Short is because Jesus's stories are very short, but they're packed with information. And in this little short story, I'm not sure that a listener in 2020 will fully grasp what's being said here. In fact, I've got questions, you know, just on a surface level as a 2020 reader, I'm like, what is a mustard seed? Is that where mustard comes from? Is there ketchup seeds? Like, it, no. Uh, and, and what's the big deal about planting a tree? This guy goes out and wants to plant a tree in his garden. It's what it sounds like. I get it. Trees grow from tiny seeds. That's not that profound. Maybe. But here's the deal. Um, it's it's actually not that at all. Uh, it's, so let's unpack this a little bit. To Jesus' first audience, this would have been a bizarre story because they knew what he was talking about. First of all, uh, this is what we're going to call a kingdom of heaven parable. And it's one of Jesus' favorite types of parables. He was His very first sermon was, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so in these parables, he's going to continue to explain what is the kingdom of heaven, what makes it different than kingdoms of this earth. So this parable is going to teach us something about the kingdom of heaven. And so secondly, the thing we need to know is that the main character, the mustard seed, is the star of the story. And that when Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, it's possible, it may be probable that his audience would have maybe audibly gasped like, what? That doesn't seem right. Because a mustard plant was a super common plant and to most people in Jesus's area, it would have been synonymous with annoying weed. Uh, Every area has their own version of something like a mustard plant. Do you know down here in the south about the kudzu plant. Have you seen this? I've seen them mostly in the mountains of North Carolina, but I hear in other states. They're, I mean, they're everywhere. And it's a it's a plant. It's this vine that just grows in acres, and it just takes out everything in its path. According to Wikipedia, the kudzu plant has consumed, listen to this, 7.4 million acres of the southeast. And it, it grows and is continuing to consume about 120,000 acres every year just consuming, destroying power lines and buildings and the native vegetation as it passes. That's horrifying. <laughs> I had no idea that kudzu was, was quite as uh, destructive as that, but but it is, and, and the root bulbs of these kudzu plants, I've heard like the size, some of them like a VW beetle, like they're, they're huge, and they're actually not native to North America, and when they were brought over, uh, they just took off like wildfire, and initially wildfire, and initially... People loved it. They thought it was beautiful. Before long, it was just this crazy, annoying weed. At my house, we uh, recently did a lot of yard work one whole weekend where there was this this uh, weedy, viney thing that was growing. It had completely taken over our back fence and it was ugly and nothing we did would take care of it. So we decided to take a weekend where we literally ripped the fence out and began to dig in the ground trying to get rid of this entire vine. And we did. We got we got rid of it, and it looks a lot better. But here's the problem. Despite our best efforts, just a few days ago, I was out there, and those little vines are starting to poke their little heads up out of the soil again. Annoying vines. They don't go away. They're super hard to get rid of. And so Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man planted in his garden. And the audience would have said, What? Who in their right mind would plant this annoying weed in their garden? I'm not how sure, not sure how true this is, uh, but I have read that there was actually a, a low key law, like a rabbinic law, that prevent that prohibited people from planting mustard seed in their garden. Like it was like kind of against the law to this because it would just destroy everything around it. It would spread around to your neighbor's yard, and it just wasn't cool. Yet yeah, Jesus is like, I ain't stutter. No, the kingdom of heaven is like that. Okay, so hold that thought. He says that this plant grew into a great tree. What's the big deal about planting a tree? Well, here, what I've learned about the mustard plant is that the mustard plant doesn't grow into a tree. Now, there's a version that I think that will grow into a pretty large bush up to 15 feet tall. That's a pretty big bush, but it's not like this majestic tree that Jesus seems to be describing where birds of the air will come and make their nests and take refuge in. So what is Jesus talking about? His audience would have known, like, wait a second, why are you planting this mustard seed in your garden? And two, I don't think mustard plants do that. Now, anytime you hear in the Bible something that just really sticks out jarringly like that, Uh, that means that the teacher wants you to lean in and ask questions. That's the point. He's telling it this way on purpose. It's supposed to get our attention. So here are our key components as we start to break this thing down. The seed of an annoying plant, okay? It's really worth noting, too, that the mustard seed is a famously small seed. In another place, Jesus actually calls it the, the smallest seed of all. It's not actually the smallest seed. There are smaller seeds. I don't think Jesus is trying to make a scientific statement that this is definitively the smallest seed. I think his point is, mustard seeds are very, very small. Okay, that's the first thing, small, annoying plant. And then we've got this farmer who makes the really unconventional decision to plant that seed in his garden, which nobody would do. Third, we see that this seed is gonna turn into this huge, welcoming tree, which is unlikely. And three, this is a key detail, the birds of the air will come and rest on its branches. And that is huge. Uh, One of the methods that a rabbi would use in teaching, especially while using uh, parables, is that while he was teaching, he would embed clues um, into the story that would allude to Old Testament stories, Old Testament teaching. And this was something that the disciples would have been very familiar with. In fact, all throughout Jesus' teaching, it's there. Our modern, untrained, uh, American reading minds don't see this at all, but these, uh, these disciples, most of them, anyone who was under a rabbi like Jesus would have had the whole Old Testament memorized. Okay, they, were, they lived in the text. They loved the story of the Bible. So anytime these references come up, it immediately would make them think, oh. And so then it was expected of them after the teaching time that the disciples, the students would gather around and they would say, what do you think the teacher meant when he was talking about That tree and those birds, you know, it made me think about, and oh, it made me think about. Now, it's very commonly uh, believed that one of the most obvious things the disciples would have thought about would be a story from Ezekiel chapter 17. I'm not sure how familiar you are with Ezekiel. It's what I've tried to become familiar with, and I'll be honest with you, I'm not super familiar with it. But in Ezekiel chapter 17, we get the story of this great cedar tree that grows up on the side of a mountain. It was a splendid tree. And all kinds of the birds of the air came and rested in its branches, and they took refuge there in its shade and found shelter. Immediately, the disciples would have been like, ah, I got that one. In these Old Testament stories, also, wild animals, particularly birds of the air, and I think fish too, and other things, they would represent people. Uh, for example, when Jesus tells his disciples, I want you to become fishers of men, I want you to be fishermen for men, like that's even an allusion to some of those old ideas. But even more significantly, most often in the Old Testament, it would refer to like the nations as in the Gentiles, as in the people who weren't Jews, who, who weren't children of Abraham. And that would how be how they referenced it. So, so now, like last week, we learned that Jesus would have wanted his audience to stop and think about this. And then they would have taken some time to discuss it amongst themselves. And then answer the question, what is the kingdom of heaven like? Well, at first it starts small, like a mustard seed. And the kingdom of heaven is going to enter places unconventionally and in unexpected ways, like some crazy farmer who's going to plant this seed in his garden. And sometimes people are going to see its growth as an annoyance. And they are going to want to get rid of it, but you can't kill it. You can't kill the kingdom of heaven. And as it grows, it will begin to create something strong and powerful, unlike the thing that was initially planted, that the birds of the air or all the nations can come and rest in its branches. Do you start to see the light bulbs coming on? Do you see the message that's being shared about the kingdom of God? And it's come true. I mean, since that day, Christianity went from being this obscure sect of Judaism that was initially persecuted and hated on even by its Jewish brethren uh, to one, within 300 years, it was massively culturally accepted in, in in that part of the world. And it grew to where today it is one of the world's largest faith bases because here's the thing. It's not because Jesus was such a great teacher, though he was a good teacher. And it wasn't because these stories were so amazing. It was because three days after Jesus was confirmed dead, he started to appear alive, convincingly alive. And people saw that and they talked about it and they said, this guy and the things he taught, that's his kingdom. That's the kingdom of heaven. And the message begins to spread. Now, for the men of the day who stood and heard this story about the mustard seed, they would have been like, man, I get, it. I know that old rascal, that old mustard seed. I'm familiar with it. And Jesus goes from there right into a second parable today. And so uh, we're going to be looking now in verse 20 and potentially for the ladies listening. Uh, because whereas gardening uh, would have been a family chore, but maybe, maybe the, uh, the farmers in the area, the men in the area might have gotten the, the weed analogy a little bit better. The ladies at the time, one of their major tasks was to provide bread. Every single day. They literally made daily bread. And so Jesus goes into another story that, again, the men probably understood as well. But I love how these stories kind of come together, and form a consistent dialogue. So verse 20, Luke chapter 13. Again, he asked, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It's like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. So this time, instead of small seeds, we've got a tiny bit of yeast mixed into a massive amount of dough. Now, again, there are going to be some great clues tucked into this parable so that the disciples could uh, think about some of the Old Testament uh, passages that it might have related to. Again, it's everywhere. It is everywhere. It's a great thing to start learning how to look for. Uh, First of all, 60 pounds of flour, that is a huge amount of flour. Uh, It should get your attention at any time. 60 pounds of flour is as too much flour, <laughs> um, but it's, it's a specific amount of flour. And it actually points to several stories in the Old Testament uh, that the disciples would have immediately thought of. Oh, 60 pounds of flour. Now, they would have used different units because of different time period, different language. So depending on how your translation works it out, you can search for that and you can find it. One of them, I'll give you a clue, comes from Abraham's wife, Sarah. And so there's a story. There's some homework for you. Dig into it. Um, And so immediately these things would have popped into the disciples' mind. But let's actually talk about the yeast. The yeast, because the yeast is a very easy thing to understand. My wife, I'm giving her all kinds of props today. She's our gardener. She's also a great baker. And man, she has spent a lot of time learning how to bake all kinds of bread. She listens to baking podcasts. She checks out big, thick books on baking from the library and actually reads them at bedtime. I'm like, that is really weird. That's a cookbook. She's like, no. It's entertaining. All right, good. Because I love what it produces. She's taking baking classes and our house almost always smells like some kind of baked good. I know, life is so hard. <laughs> but uh, man, I love, I love uh, eating her baking, but through learning with her and watching her learn, I've learned that yeast is an amazing thing. Uh, you can put yeast into flour and do various things with it and it makes the the food tastes so much better. And it, they're weird little creatures, yeast. I mean, and they, they get in your flour, and they like they eat something in there, and then they multiply or something. They expel these gases, and it creates bubbles, which apparently are really good tasting. And what's wild is we eat pizza almost every single Friday night. And Lindsay makes the dough, and she's got several different recipes. And she'll take this little ball of dough. She'll put it in a bowl. She'll cover it up, and a couple of hours later, boom it has just exploded into like triple the size uh, that it was when it started. And, and and there have been times where she put it in too small of a bowl and it would actually like overflow the edges of the bowl. Yeast is a crazy thing. Now, here's the deal. I won't go into a lot because you're smart people. The yeast parable is very similar to the mustard seed parable. The idea is the kingdom of God grows from very small things. It's a very big things. The kingdom of God grows by entering into an old life. This is the yeast portion of it into an existing life and consuming that existing life and changing it over time as it grows. You see that picture? Christianity has grown from the followers of Jesus who give up their broken, messed up, sin-filled, destroyed lives and they exchange it for a brand new life that Jesus implants in them and it begins to grow and it started with one person but it has grown as each generation of disciples have come along and helped the kingdom of God expand it's like yeast and it gets into that flower and it makes something beautiful and amazing and completely different again there's a metaphor of big results coming from small faithful beginnings and so so what a mustard seed and yeast have to do with us today well My first advice is this. Stop and think about it. Like seriously, if you're in a place where you can pause this video and stop and take some notes, that'd be great. But stop and think about it. These parables are not meant to be uh, decoded and cracked and and solved like a crossword puzzle. And, And that's a lot of times how we Western thinkers try to approach Scripture. We're like, let me crack the code. Let me solve it. Instead, they're supposed to be stewed on and marinated and and pondered thought about it may take a long time for it to really get inside of you so here's some questions for you to chew on this will help you chew as you pause and think number one what do you think the teacher was saying what do you think jesus was talking about uh what is the kingdom of heaven like that's another question based on this teaching what would you say the kingdom of heaven is like here's another question really deep very powerful question Are you a citizen of that kingdom? If so, how do you know? How do you know that? It's not a judgmental question. It's just a probing question. Asking yourself, what makes me believe that I'm part of this kingdom? And and if so, what does the kingdom of God mean to you? It should be more than just a passing fad in our life. If these things that Jesus teaches are true. So those are the kinds of questions as we go through the kingdom of God parables that you can study ahead and you can start looking at that and asking yourself those questions. Um, now, I'll share with you what this parable has taught me about the kingdom of God over the years and, and in my study for this week. Uh, the kingdom of God, th- this, is, this is the biggest takeaway I get. The kingdom of God is not about huge earth-shaking moments. Let me explain that. Um, sure, there have been plenty of huge earth-shaking moments within the kingdom of God. In Acts chapter 2, thousands of people come to Jesus in faith, and thousands of people are baptized like on that same day, and it must have been amazing. It was a huge earth-shaking moment. Uh, I've been to uh, camps and conventions where hundreds or thousands of people just had this unified moment of faith or, or worship, or we do something really cool, and those are, those are earth-shaking moments. And sure, those moments happen. I've heard about uh, megachurches where 20,000 people will gather on a weekend and together combined, they do good. They do amazingly good things. Uh, I've heard uh, about uh, churches and and what I I mean by the church is like Christian people in a city standing up in a time of crisis and making a huge difference. Like in one big fell swoop, it's an earth-shaking moment. And those are amazing and they're undeniable. I'm not saying they don't happen in the kingdom of God. But what I learned from this parable is that those things are the exception rather than the rule. Jesus said the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. Tiny little seed, unconventionally placed, and it grew into a tree that the birds perched in its branches. Um, We have these opportunities to make small, incremental, unconventional choices. Every day. Challenging the status quo. Standing up uh, like freaks of nature in our society. Small little things. Unconventional ways of coming in and and infiltrating the world. Each time you love someone by being selfless. Instead of being selfish and looking out for yourself. Mustard seed. Uh, Each time you take up for an underdog and you stand up for an injustice. I'm not talking about grandstanding or making a big rant on Facebook. like Good for you for that. But I'm talking about like you actually get out there and do something and you put you put you know feet to the road and you go find the problems and you deal with that on a personal level mustard seed unconventional moment you know each time you have a little more uh food than you can eat or a little extra income than you need for your daily bread you know and you take that extra that overflow and you share it with someone in need and that's a that's a mustard seed moment when you volunteer at a school or when you sign up for a foster care class or you offer to take an elderly or disabled person to the grocery store or you contact them to make sure they're okay. Look, no one's going to show up at your house with a Medal of Valor for you. You're not going to end up on the evening news. These are private, small moments. It's when we, decide to, have, uh, when we decide, to have, decide to have integrity instead of choosing to sin and no one will ever know. These little moments, that's what the kingdom of heaven is is made of now they don't stay small because once they take root they begin to grow but you're planting seeds for the kingdom of God and as they take root and as they spread for generations these unconventional occasionally annoying Christ-like moments will grow into a tree on which the birds of the air the nations can rest in its branches Guys, that's what the church should be. We should be a community of people who has allowed that seed to take growth inside of us, to begin to change us. Long story short, the smallest of kingdom-minded moments will grow into a massive kingdom-focused life. If we begin these small things and we allow those small things to begin to penetrate us, over time, it will change us. This is just our first kingdom of God parable. There are several, and we're going to get to a couple of them in this series. And I think one reason why I love them so much is because just like a mustard plant, that love for the kingdom of God begins to grow in us, and it starts to take over us. All of your life, these plants— Uh, start to take root in different areas of our life. And, And so here's the thing that I start to see throughout all of these kingdom of God parables. And let me say it this way. If you have areas of your life, moments of your life, choices in your life that you're making that are not kingdom focused, you've got to get rid of them because they're standing in the way of the growth of the kingdom of God in our life. Just like last week where we talked about preparing the soil of a heart and getting the the rocks out and the thorns out of the way. Like, I don't want to mix the metaphors. These are two completely different parables. They refer to two completely different ideas. But man, the overlap of what they do and what they mean for your soul and the souls of the people around you is huge. It's huge and it should change us. As the mustard seed comes into your life, it should begin to change you. And just like yeast, turn you from a lifeless lump of, of flour into a breathing growing ball of flour that can become something amazing and delicious. Have you entered the kingdom of God yet? Look, I know that our audience, we're in week, I don't even know what week we're in, 9, 10, 57 of, of online church. It's going to go on for a little bit yet. Odds are good that if you're watching this, it's because you've decided I'm committed, I'm in. Uh, now, you might be a person, though, who's watching, who's like, I just I just got to find out more. And to you, I want to ask, like, have you joined the kingdom of God? I want to invite you to consider that decision. Like, consider reaching out to me. Uh, You can email me, chris at jointheventure.com, or send us a message on Facebook, make a comment below, or talk to a Christian friend that you have, and ask yourself that probing question. How do I know if I'm in the kingdom of God? One of the first things we see all people do in the Bible, in the New Testament, when they decide to give their lives to Jesus, is they choose to get baptized, It's a a seminal moment of conversion. And so maybe you want to get baptized. I'd love to help meet you somewhere or have a friend meet you somewhere to do that. Maybe it begins for you with just a conversation. But don't let COVID-19 block your way to the kingdom of God. Because these seeds have been planted and the tree is here. And it's ready for you to take refuge and take rest. For the rest of us, here's the question I want to leave you with. Has the kingdom of God overwhelmed your life? Has it? Because it should. Will you let it? Jesus asked, what is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It's like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds perched in its branches. Let's pray.